You're listening to Have the Conversation Podcast, a podcast centered around mental health, wellness, and everything in between. My name is Kala. And I'm Leanne. We're sitting down with everyday people to talk about life and the lessons they've learned, all in an effort to connect and stay encouraged. Hey, hey. This week, we sat down with Portland-based life coach and friend, Katie. Katie's on a mission to help women redefine and reimagine their lives by helping them discover their passions, purpose, all while helping them break down the limiting beliefs in their careers and their lives. She's someone we really enjoyed talking with, and we hope by the end of this, you feel as safe and as grounded as we did. You unplugged and you like went offline for a few days for your birthday, right? Yeah, I did four days. Um, and I started, I started with journaling. I needed the time to decompress. I called it a soul journey. And I had like little cards of journal questions that I wanted to get through. And it didn't work out exactly the way that I had planned because I actually wanted to go to Bend, which is the desert in Oregon, and rent a cabin and stay without like internet or anything like that and just sit out underneath the beautiful stars, right? That didn't happen. So (laughs) I wrote down a bunch of questions and I decided to go on different hikes every day and I planned the hikes. I tried to stay off the internet, but I I needed to find certain places, right? So I did do that and use the GPS because otherwise I would have been crying on the side of the road. Yeah. We feel you. We understand. Yeah. So I did a lot of meditation, 17 miles of hiking in four days. And it was just really nice to reflect. And I learned a lot about myself and like some of the things that I've been hanging on to, what I wanted to change and how I wanted to look at life. Do you go on like with the intentions of, I'm going to think about these specific questions and then you go hike and you just kind of reflect on those. Like how does, how did that? Yeah. How did all this come to be? I'm so curious. Like what made you want to do it? I've, I've been looking into vision quests and shamanism for a while. And I think it's just very intriguing and how people and, and changes of life. Like when you become a woman, you go through this whole transformational, like welcoming phase in your life. And we don't do that anymore. Like we don't have any transitions to welcome you, to celebrate where you were and where you are. I wish we did, but that was kind of the idea. I've been reading a lot of books about like your own journey and kind of traveling within and going to sacred places. And that's actually something that I would love to do. And I just bought a bunch of books and I started doing some reading and one of them was called the desire map. And it talks about instead of having goals, how do you want to feel? Is that Danielle Laporte? Is that her book? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. And I was like, how cool would that be to do on my birthday? And so like the hiking for me, hiking is just like medicine. It's getting out in nature, disconnecting and reconnecting. And it's something that I love to do. I didn't necessarily go out with the intention of thinking about something. I went out with the intention of being completely present because we distract, we do all of these things. And I'm one to like take my camera or my phone or whatever I have and take a ton of pictures. And, but that takes you out of the moment. It takes you into looking for the light and looking for the shot and doing all these things. And so while that was a part of it, it was more of how can I be present in this moment? And then noticing little things like there was a beautiful tree that looked like it was like a fairy tree. And it had these little spots on the tree that were like knots covered in moss, like a landing point for them. And I'm like, I can't believe somebody here in Portland, especially hasn't put out little fairy furniture on some of those little, that would be so perfect. And it's like the beautiful things that you see when you actually tune in and pay attention and the dog would stop. And I'd be like, okay, this is a moment to pause and to like look around. 
And at one point in Forest Park, I was really wanting to do one of those primal screams, but I thought, okay. Well, you should have. I was literally just talking to one of my friends about that. She had a moment like that where she was just like screaming in the woods. She said it was the best thing that ever happened to her. Right. I was nervous because there were some people on the trail. And I was like, somebody's going to think something happened. Yeah. It's just so funny. I like didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. My, I like, have randomly heard people talk about doing that. Like, Oh, it's really cathartic, especially if you're feeling like any anger or anything like that. And so I howled instead. I was like, okay, I got a dog. I know what I'm doing tonight. No, just the full moon's on Friday. Let's go. Um, so I did that and it felt really good. It, and it made me laugh. Like I was sitting there in the middle of the woods by myself, howling and laughing to myself. Like how great is that? They're like, oh, I have what she's having. Yeah. yeah. And then I would get home and then I would journal about the experience. And then once a day I would start a question. So one of the questions was like, look at the past five years and some of the struggles that you've been through and kind of review the top one. And then like, okay, so in addition to that, let's look and see those moments that you can be proud of, that you found strength where you didn't think that you had strength. And those are very interesting for me it's because I don't think we, we look at that. We come with the expectation of the next year, it's going to be, I have to do this. I have to lose 60 pounds. I have to you know, build my business in this way. I have to find a new job. I have to do all of these things. And then we get there and we're so mad at ourselves, right? And we just wasted anger and punishment on ourselves for not reaching these goals that we said we were going to reach. And so how I was trying to figure out ways to change that and to say, okay, this is my intent that I want to bring in the next year. These are some of the things that I want to feel into. Um, I haven't gotten that far yet. I'm, I'm still writing letters. I wrote a letter to my child self and I wrote a letter from my child self and I wrote a letter to the universe and then I'm going to be writing one from the universe and then from my future self really just to connect with that vision of who I want to be. Wow that's cool. Yeah and when you write something from your future self for me it's like the lessons that you're going through now are worth something even though it doesn't feel like that at the moment. There's a reason that you're going through what you're going through. And that future person can kind of guide you. And it also will give you an idea of who you're wanting to become. And so how can we take some small steps? How can you have that intention to become that person and live like you are that person now? And so that way it, it comes more into alignment. And so I'm reading, uh, Kala actually recommended it to me, the Whitney Cummings book, okay. um, I'm Fine and Other Lies or something like that. But she did the same thing. She talked about how she had to think of her, like she had to talk to her child self to work through some of her hangups that were carrying into like her current life. And that was the only way she was kind of able to give herself some, some grace, you know, yeah. instead of just beating herself up all the time. I thought that was really interesting. I had heard of like, treat yourself like you would your best friend. But if you think of yourself as a child, you can't help but have compassion for yourself. Yeah, that's been a big thing. I recently just wrote a letter to my younger self. That was the one that I posted on social. 
And it, yes. was, it was the saddest picture. It's my kindergarten picture. And that picture has just always made me sad. But that's literally how I had felt every time I've seen a picture of myself up until even recently. I mean, I still don't love it, but we're getting there, you know, but that was one of the most like cathartic things I ever did for my healing for sure. And, and, and really, I think the big reason why I did it is because I didn't want to be sad anymore. And I know that sounds so insane, but I just, I didn't want to hold on to that sadness any longer. So if I'm writing a letter to my child self, is there... I'm sure there's many different ways you can do it, but is there like a, a starting point that you would recommend or you just go for, like, how does that work? Yeah. So I will tell you this. I didn't initially start with writing a letter. I initially started one night. I was like in, I was trying to do a meditation and then I started thinking about where certain behavior traits came from, where certain patterns that I have as an adult came from. And most of our behavior patterns that aren't necessarily the greatest for us as adults protected us as kids. And it happens typically between the ages of three and seven, like your behavior patterns, the messages from everyone else come to you. And so the question that I asked when I like pictured my younger self, remember what that was like and the words that you needed to hear when you were that age. Like, what did you need to know? Uh, like advice mm-hmm. to your younger self? Okay. It, it's advice, but it's also, mine, mine flowed a lot of know that you are loved, right? Know that you are safe. That was my big one. And know that you matter, right? And all of the things that they carry, because they, I mean, kids, you carry around stuff. You carry around the pain, you carry around the anger, you don't know how to express it. And if you're not taught how to express it, it comes out in ways that may not be healthy. And so I really just had that conversation with little Katie and validated her for what she was going through and saying, these made you strong. The fact that you went through this and you went through this at such a young age, it made you who you are now. Like I wouldn't go back and change anything because it made me who I am. But I would give that little girl a hug and I would hold her in my arms. And actually, I had a therapist once who was like, get a pillow and put it in your lap and talk to your little self. Oh, God. I don't know if I could do that. You put a little face on it first. You could put your little photo on it. Now, that is really hard. I I believe it. Yeah. I think that would be really, really hard to connect that way. Mm -hmm. Powerful by all means, I would think if you could. Did you do it? No. No, that one's tough. I would think that's really tough. Yeah. Even just for me, because I, I, obviously that's all I can speak to, was when I look at that picture, like you said, I just want you to feel safe. I want you to know it's going to be okay and that you're all right. <laughs> you know, that, that's a big thing to be able to say to your younger self and understand mm-hmm. it and, and get that healing from. It's a very, very, very powerful thing. Um, I think it's definitely one of those steps that allows you to really grow into who you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I ugly cried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I did this oh, yeah. the first time. Because you don't realize that you still need that. Like that little person inside of you is still inside of you. And those moments that we do silly things as adults, like jump in puddles or play with bubbles or play with your kids, right? That brings out our own inner child. And that little person inside of us gets so excited. Like that's the one that's like, ah, like we still do that, you know? <laughs> As adults, we still have that inside us. And so how can we 
one, compassionately look at them and heal them and then also bring them with us now. So you said that going back and doing that helped you with the struggles you're going through now. Like, do you, do you feel comfortable talking about any of those or like what it specifically helped you with or what you want to change? <laughs> so I've done a lot of work with my inner child. I think it's a, something that you need to do on a consistent basis because you'll recognize your own patterns and kind of go back and, and work with her and then come forward again. Right. And that's oh. the same as teenage years. I mean, a lot of us have issues when we're teenagers or things that start when we're in middle school or high school and then we carry with us. The biggest one for me with this so far has been looking at my past five years. So there's a lot that's happened and a lot that's shifted and changed. So when I was younger, I had a lot, I still have an eating disorder. It's something that I'm still working on. But so last five years, so I'll just give you a little brief example. Five years ago was my 30th birthday and I had gone to Costa Rica with my mother. I was just ending a relationship and had gone from losing a lot of weight to gaining it because of some of the medication that I was on and because of some of the stress. I was also in a very unhealthy place mentally and at work. So there was a very sexist environment and I didn't realize how, how much that impacted me. And I pulled my journals out. And this is a good way to talk to your child self is like, read your journals from when you were in elementary school, if you have them. Oh, I have so many journals from when I was little. And then I just stopped because I'm just freaking lazy. So they're under my bed right now. (laughs) I'm kind of afraid to, to be honest. (laughs) I was curious and afraid. And then I read them and I'm like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> no surprise here. You guys are gonna probably laugh, but all minor lyrics. <laughs> That's awesome. Books and books and books of just lyrics. They're in my attic. <laughs> I just have always related to music, and it's just funny to go back and see it and be like, "Oh my god, I'm literally doing the exact same thing now." And but instead of being holed up in my room listening to music, I'm holed up in my office trying to like do the exact same thing. You are because that's your Cala Creates feed. Yeah, I mean music start something in me to start journaling. Like that's my journal prompt essentially. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Cause I associate a lot of time periods to that. So it just, it's really triggering for me. Oh, I have music for relationships and like stages of relationships where you are mentally. And you're like, yes, I'm going to jam out to this song for like three weeks. Yeah. I'm always like, that would be in the soundtrack of my life. Like if I had a show, this would be playing at this moment. Yes. <laughs> like that, I literally think that way. It's so funny. You're really in a musical, Cal. It's okay. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, God. <laughs> You're up. It's your no, 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 no. We were talking about that earlier today. How like that's my biggest fear, singing and dancing in front of people. Never going to happen. Let's face our fears. No. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> okay, so you read your childhood journals. Yeah, I, I read my childhood journals and, and I read the ones from the last five years. And that's really where I got a lot of information. Um, and a lot of it was drama. I mean, drama that you're dealing with. And I felt sick all the time and my migraines got worse. I've had migraines since junior year of high school and they just kept getting worse and worse. And I kept feeling sicker and sicker and sicker. And I didn't recognize that it was actually adrenal fatigue was happening because I was under so much stress at work and I was working extra and I was working with that person who I had been in whatever relationship with. And then it just got to the point where I had to leave work. So it got bad. We filed complaints and then I took a medical leave. 
And I took a medical leave for three months. And while we were on medical leave, they closed down my work. Like they laid off everyone. And so it was an interesting time. (laughs) Yeah. But then I look back and I realized, one, I had to stand up. I I had the strength to stand up to authority figures Mm. and tell the truth, even when I was terrified and terrified for myself and for everyone else. From the sexism that was taking place at work? Correct. Yeah. There's, there's so many details that I can actually share about. Yes. It was quote unquote pervasive. Got it. Wow. It was comments about people's bodies, about my body, about graphic stories that weren't appropriate for the workplace. It was rough. And I, and I have my own trauma, right? And my employer also knew that, which made it even more hard. Right. Yeah. Like you would think someone would have more compassion for you if they understand part of your story. But the fact that I stood up for myself and took actions, even though I lost most of my friends, I lost the people that I thought were my friends. I, I lost a lot of them. Were they within the company? Is, yeah. is that why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that was really hard. And I felt really, really isolated and really, really alone. And, you know, there's a couple of people that I could rely on. I have two really, really amazing friends back in that state that I'm still very, very close with. And I couldn't have gotten through without them. And so recognizing the strength that you have to stand up and then to try again and to go back into that kind of business. I was managing an entire community college systems, communication plans and strategies in addition to a team and trying to do market strategizing, but then also like clients and listening to calls. And I was trying to do all of these things. And my body was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so I got sick. And then they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it was test after test after test. While I was trying to do stuff for work, they were like, your gallbladder is overactive. We think that's the problem. We're just going to take it out. And then the day I returned from medical leave, I got laid off. <laughs> There's your sign right there. You got to go. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that whole journey in and of itself was like, okay, it's, I'm pushed in a different direction. I'm pushed somewhere completely different. And for me to step back and recognize and to tap back into my intuition was huge for me. We've talked about this before, you know, not recorded, (laughs) about how you've always kind of have been intuitive, but do you attribute anything to being able to tap back into that in such a moment of distress? I think it was more I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And in my journals, I, I always ask the question, like, just give me some guidance. Universe, just send me something so that I know what direction to go. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so now what? <laughs> and and didn't recognize this until I started reflecting, but that's when everything shifted in, in a great way, in a terrifying way. But that's when I was like, okay, if I could be doing anything, what would I be doing? And that was coaching. And that led me 4,000 miles from South Carolina to Oregon. Didn't have a job. I was like, okay, what kind of, what qualities am I looking for in a part-time job to help me get by? Wrote down the list of qualities. I was like, I'm going to trust that it's going to happen. Wrote down the list of qualities for an apartment. I'm going to trust it's going to happen. It continued to look, right? And it all worked out. Like, I'd done that with my dog and with my car. I was like, I want that car. And it wasn't sold, but the next day it wasn't. <laughs> like, oh, wow. 
sometimes things are, are absolutely meant to be, but you also have to have faith and step into joy instead of like dragging yeah. out and saying, I really, 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 really want this. And then not letting it go. Yeah, that's right. You have to give it in order to receive it. Right. God dang it. That's so true. And the, the biggest thing of my reflection, I realized was like, cause okay, last year, not going to lie. I was like, I'm going to be the fittest I've ever been in my life. Cause I signed up for a half marathon. I'm like, I'm going to do this. That did not happen. <laughs> that was me literally all day. I'm like, I'm going to go carve out my hour. It's been on my calendar all day to go to the gym. And not that it's comparable to a half marathon by any means, but do you think I made it out there? I literally walked out there and I was like, oh, I have to change into a different bra. I'm out. <laughs> I literally, that's what it was. I, was like, I was looking for every excuse in the book. I was like, yeah, you know? I'm not, I'm not going to do it. That's where the self-compassion comes in right there. Yeah. Well, and we do that. We like, we kind of self-sabotage ourselves in some ways. And I'm, I'm prone to that. I won't lie. But what I did do in the last year is that I'm emotionally and spiritually the healthiest that I've been. Oh, that's amazing. And I had lost myself in South Carolina in the jobs that I was in. I became someone else to fit the profile of what people needed. And, and as women, a lot of times we form ourselves into a perception. And that's also one of the reasons why I moved away from freaking Minnesota. Everyone knows who I was. Everyone had this preconceived notion of who Katie is. And that was really not me. And to be forced into a box again and to finally be like, yeah, I'm just going to be a little weird. I'm going to be a little bit hippie. I'll be a little bit businessy. Like I got this. That's when everything seemed to like come together, right? Is when you, when you find your way back to yourself. So what do you think, do you think that in the last five years you have found yourself or do you feel like you kind of found yourself earlier, but lost it in the jobs and the people around you? Like, how did you find yourself? So when I was younger, I felt mostly myself. So some of the qualities that I inhabit now are that person that I was in high school. I'm not going to lie. We're so afraid when we're young because we want to fit in. We, we, we want to have friends. We want to be part of that crowd that is accepted and you feel that sense of belonging because a lot of times I didn't, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. This group didn't fit. This group didn't fit. I was like that weird bright colored crayon in a box of like plain colored crayons. And because of that, like I, I tried a lot of different things. I think as adults, we do, we try and figure out what works for us, what we enjoy. But I think somewhere along the way, and most likely when I started violating my own values, I stepped out of that person and transformed into someone that I didn't really like very much. Like looking back on it, I was like, mm. and so through my own work, through reading a crap ton of books, through therapy and working with my own coaches and even taking my coaching program that I went through and even some of my mental health classes, like while I was going through this whole traumatic experience at work, I was taking a doctoral level conflict class. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to pass this. I did. <laughs> I love the timing of it. Yeah. Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> it really was. I mean, hard to see in that moment, but looking back at it, I'm sure you're like, man, I learned some valuable things. It aligned nicely. Yeah. But I think once I finally started saying, okay, I'm just going to listen to whatever guidance I'm getting and I'm going to do it. Even if it's stupid, even if it sounds like 
this is impossible. Because realistically, my family in Minnesota are like looking at me like, are you crazy? You're taking a huge career that you had in higher education and going to go for it and be a life coach. What are you doing? <laughs> Did they have those conversations with you? Did you feel supported? Mostly. My mom gets it. She, yeah. Yeah. I think that they're more worried about security stuff. Like yeah. my grandparents are like, what is your plan? What is your financial plan? What is your marketing plan? And I'm like, I actually have one, but I haven't got to that point yet. Cause I was actually still in the program at the time. It was more, I think they don't understand what I'm doing or they don't understand what coaching is. And a lot of people who haven't been in that kind of field or like any holistic health practices, a lot of them don't understand what coaching is and what the benefits are and what the differences are between coaching and therapy. Why don't you explain that right now? I mean, what a good segue. I have a few questions about that. So yeah. <laughs> okay. I will do the best I can. <laughs> yeah. If you were explaining it to your family, what would you say are the differences? We actually have a therapist in the family. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for my opinion and my take, okay. Therapy one a lot of them are working with diagnosing and treating. They're looking at um, your past and they're looking at your history and they're wanting to go back and dive into those issues. And a lot of times people say, okay, in order for therapy, they're going to break you back apart to put you back together whole. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for someone with severe anxiety disorder or with trauma, I'm not an expert in that. So please go see a therapist or see a therapist in addition to a coach. Okay. So they work a lot on the past stuff. Sometimes they'll give you homework. If they're a cognitive behavioral therapist, they will work with you on setting some small goals, but it's also prescribed by the therapist. It's not necessarily my idea of what I would like to do. And chances are, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Read these chapters and do this homework. It's like, I'm in high school again. Yeah. So, Coaching is, and I, I do it this way, I do a coactive approach. So you're the one who designs what you want. What is your ultimate goal? And we're more present focused. If things come up, like limiting beliefs, if they come up from your past, like I'm not enough, I'm not you know, worthy, life is scary, we work through those. But we're not going to focus on the past. We're focusing on the present and designing actions together. So you come up with the ideas of what you're going to do to help you move towards your goals. And each session is very different depending on what's going on in your life. So it could be your goal really is to better your communication. And one day it's like a conversation that you have with your boss. You didn't stand up with him. And that might be the topic that you choose to focus on. So that's still kind of the big goal in mind is to better your communication style, to have deeper conversations. Well, then how do we switch that conversation that you have with your boss? Role-playing it together and having them come up with some action items that will help them with that next conversation. So coaching is very present-based, co-active, and goal-oriented. So do you, do you feel like the people that come to you are very self-aware already? Or do you sometimes just have a total blank slate, like you're trying to pull things out of people? What are the types of clients that would come to you? So... I'm going to take this way back because when I started in higher education, really what I was doing was coaching people to figure out what they wanted to be when they grew up and to overcome some of their own limiting beliefs and barriers. There are those folks who are not really sure about what they want in life. And so for those folks, my job is to get them engaged 
in some way. Now, disclaimer, I haven't had any of these particular clients as of yet, but you never know. So tapping into something that brings them joy, that gets them excited, like hobbies, is something that opens people up typically. And you can tell by the change in their voice. If you're in front of them, you can tell by their body language, how they're engaged, are they not? And for me, I pick things up as well in person typically is I pick up if there's something going on, I'll ask deeper questions around that particular area. Most of the folks that I have as clients and have had are people who are somewhat aware, who've been in similar places that I have. And that's interesting to me is like, we're always brought people in our lives to show us a mirror of ourselves and where we are in our journey, but also so that we can use our own experience to help them. And I'm not going to give you any answers, but I'm going to guide you to your own, right? So a lot of them have their own intuitive guidance. They might use, you know, Oracle cards, they might do tarot, they might do yoga. They're, they're in this community and they want that extra help and they want that support. I've even had business women who just want accountability. Yeah. To hold them accountable to their goals and their timelines that they really want to set for themselves. And I've worked with so many different people that I'm comfortable having all those types of conversations. You know what I mean? So when I first started working in education, I had people who were 18 years old and those ones are really, really hard because they can't really articulate always what they want. Yeah. And they probably don't really know, to be honest. Right. Well, and and that's when you have that real conversation. And this is something I'm hoping to get into at some point, but having those conversations with kids who are in high school and their parents and helping them figure out what they want to be when they grow up and what it really means and what Mm -hmm. the workforce really looks like. You want to be a writer? Let's talk about this because my bachelor's degree is in writing. (laughs) Way to be real specific there, Katie. (laughs) No, but that's my background, right? Like my, I love that. Yeah. And it's like, I can tell you about, if you want to be a dolphin trainer, let me tell you this, (laughs) you don't need a marine biology degree. (laughs) There's animal training courses. (laughs) I asked the zoo. I think a lot of people fear that real talk and having those conversations with kids, like high school kids, but I did that for so many years. So it's like, okay. But then I've also had conversations with adults who were in their fifties who had been in a career their whole life because their parents told them that they needed something stable, but their passion was something completely else. And so dealing with that emotional, that's a heavy one. That's it a is. Big yeah. One. Yeah. I've definitely dealt with a little bit of that. When I was deciding my degree in college, it was between art or kinesiology. And my dad for either one was just like, uh, because <laughs> he's like, did not see how this was going to work out for me. But I think I would have gone art if I felt like fully gung ho about it and didn't run up against any roadblocks. But yeah, I had that same kind of weight, like, like, what should I do? And as a a 17, 18 year old, that's a lot to handle. Yeah. Well, most schools don't talk you through it. Most schools will just give you a packet and say, here, good luck. Figure out what you want to do. I accidentally majored in writing. Accidentally? Yeah. I just took so many classes in writing for my electives that I had it done junior year. Like, oops, I'm just going to check this box. (laughs) But that was your passion was writing? At the time, yeah. I mean, I still love to write. I mean, I've I've been writing poetry since high school and elementary school. But I think that that changes as you grow. And and all of the experiences that you have, regardless of if you think it's going to mean something as an adult or not, they're they're guiding you to something. So all of these experiences I had with these kids and like understanding how to probe and how to have deep conversations, but how to also deeply listen 
to what they're not telling you and to ask those questions to help them uncover their own truth. And I've had so many people cry. I, I mean, in good ways. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about some of the trials that they've had to get where they want to be, not only in going to school, but in life. If you're afraid of doing presentations and speaking and public speaking, you know, I had someone sit across the room while I was in education and we coached through it. Didn't realize I was doing it at the time, but I mean, 10 years of this and I've been able to do it that way. And now I do it not directly with a school, but so people can better their own lives in general. So do people come to you specifically with a goal, like a goal, I want this, can you help guide me to this? And then you guys kind of say, great job, we're done here. Or do you find that a lot of your clients come back to you for different life events or changes? Have you ever seen a wheel of life? I don't, I don't okay. think I have, no. So it actually splits up your life in a circle. If I had one in front of me, I could actually have you do one. I might just have you do one at some point. Yeah, I'll take more. <laughs> yeah. So it's this wheel of life and it breaks up the different categories like health and wellness, romantic relationships, spirituality, friendships and community, employment and career. So it breaks up your life into several different areas and you rate what you feel like you are on them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of creating spokes. Right. You know, those bikes you had when you were little with the little things that slid up and down, right? It's kind of like that, but you pinpoint where you are now. So are you where you want to be in your health and body? Are you where you want to be in your spirituality? Are you where you want to be in your career? And a lot of times you'll find that it doesn't look like a full circle wheel. It looks like this weird oblong Amita-esque shape. Mm -hmm. And the goal with coaching is not just to focus on one area because what happens is if one area over here, so your career, you're banging out your career, you're doing amazing, but your health and body is suffering. So if you pull on this area too fast, too much, this area might go in. And we, we find that as adults, like if you focus hundred percent on your time, on going to the gym, you're not going to be doing anything else. Yeah. Something's got to go. So it's looking at it as a holistic approach and trying to expand all of those areas at a slow pace so that you can eventually get to, the goal is to get to 10. So the outside would be 10. What would a 10 feel like? I feel like I would just self-implode at that point. You might. <laughs> you know, that's it. You might you just know. be this giant bubble of glowing happiness and like shoot yeah, sparkles like everywhere. Steady cannon, yeah. So like, for example, if you wanted, and a lot of people come with a general idea. I've had, I've had some people who are like, I want to lose weight. I want to focus on my health. Okay, cool. I've had people who are like, I want to refine my purpose and to change career. And so, but other things in their life would happen as they were trying to discover what they wanted to be. And so they get bogged down. They don't make the traction towards me. Well, or something can happen in their relationship. And in order to move forward in their career, they need to address relationship and what's going on. Sometimes it's more general, like finding purpose, like finding your desire. What do you want to do? Figuring it out or refiguring it out. Balance is a huge one. How do you find balance in your life? And really the question is not how do you find balance, but are you moving towards balance or are you moving away from balance? You know, you want to be, (laughs) it's a teeter totter. There's not going to be a perfect balance ever. It's going to continue to move. So are you moving towards or away from? So clients are consistent. Like typically I like to work with someone for at least three months because there's a hump in there and three months allows you to jump consistently move over it. Where would you say the hump falls? 
you start questioning yourself. You start questioning what you're doing and your actions. Yeah, your cycles and your patterns kind of, it gives them time to happen, come back, readdress if you've dealt with it or not. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like a normal timeline or is everybody very different? It's normally around week three, between week three and four. Before the end of the first month, sometimes for people it ends up somewhere in the second, but it's when you finally start taking action. Your ego is like, no, I'm comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's the huge thing you got to get over. And so by having someone that you have to show up for, that you know is going to ask you, so how were your action items? You said you were going to do this, 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 and this. Or you were supposed to send me a picture of your book that you were going to buy. I'll follow up with them. I'll, I mean, I text my clients, I'll email them and just to check in and see how things are going. And I've had someone pull me off after a meditation circle and say, hey, can I talk to you for a few minutes? Just about a, a conversation. And we role played a conversation, you know. But it's about the consistency and showing up for yourself because it's really not me. This is for, for you and for them. It's like showing up for you. And when you start to consistently do that, that fear comes out. Yeah. I was going to say, how do you, how do you deal with people when you're dealing with it yourself? You know what I mean? That's hard. I'm like, on your tough days, do you find it easy to help others? I I know we talked earlier kind of about how we're putting people's lives to mirror back and, and explain things that way. But I know for me, when I'm like knee deep in my anxiety and my frustration and just in it, I have a really hard time looking outwards. I've dealt with it enough that I don't get mired in. And if I do, I don't stay long. So when before I would be out like weeks or a month, like I can pass trauma and it's like a day or a few hours. And, And as you continue to work on it, it gets better and better. I mean, it's life. So it's how fast are you moving through it? If I was ever having a horrid day where I just was not going to be able to be there for that person, because I'm like the container, I'm the container for the safety of your feelings and your experiences. It has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. So if I was, yeah, if I was having one of those days, I would reach out to my client and say, Hey, I'm not going to be able to show up for you the way that I want to. So let's reschedule. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But to do that before too, that that's very hard to do. Right. Well, and it's, I mean, if I look back five years ago when I was working that job and having to deal with that situation, I showed up every day. I had to put all of those emotions and everything that I was feeling in a box so that I could help that person in front of me. And whether or not this was a healthy way to train yourself, right? I still have the ability to do that. But I also make sure before any client call, I do my own meditative moment. So most of the time, if it's in the evening, I will go take the dog on a walk and I'll just be uber, like really, really present. And I will light some candles and some incense and I will set my intention for that call to show up and to be present and to actively listen and to deeply listen. That's really funny when I'm going through like the business coaching and stuff and part of it was my plan for rest and um, part of it was my coach and I discussed, you know, you really, for him, he really has to plan out his rest time. And like, he has to plan his rest so strategically that it just, to me, I'm like, that doesn't sound relaxing in the slightest, you know, but are you very ritualistic in how you, I guess, settle into rest? Yes and no. So I have a morning routine 
after breakfast, I'll grab my tea or coffee or whatever and do, I have this uh, journal. It's like a morning's journal. It's on Amazon, right? And it asks you three questions. And the first question is, what do you want to let go of today? Mm -hmm. A list of what you want to be grateful for and three things like your intentions for the day. Like, what do you want to focus on? Yeah. And so I do that every day. And then I do um, at least a 15 minute meditation. And that sets me up for the day. Be honest. Do you ever forget? <laughs> yeah. I didn't meditate today. I'm not even going to lie. I didn't do it today. Well, I just think it's such like a beautiful sentiment to be able to do that. I mean, it is kind of like a little gift that you can give yourself at the start of each day. I know Leanne, you do the five minute journal at night sometimes, right? Uh, we've fallen off the wagon. But like, I'm, like I'm talking on your best days when you are, you know, doing those things, you, you see the impact that it does make, right? Like you're able to, to look at how you want your day to go or how your day went and then make active plans to change that, I guess, within your mind and you do throughout your day. Um, I, I think it'd be really beneficial. I haven't done one in the morning. I don't think ever. That's shocking because you are up so early. <laughs> That first hour of my day is for personal development. So maybe since I'm not writing, it is usually that's when I read or, or whatever. But I, I like the idea. What were the three things that you said, Katie, again? It is, what do I want to let go of? So this is for me, how I do it is like, okay, what am I really worried? Like what has been drilling around in my brain? Like what do I need to let go of? And a lot of times it's body image stuff. It's fear, it's lack, it's all of that. Right now it's anxiety. Like with everything that's going on, the second question is, what do you want to be grateful for? Because that gratitude practice brings more things that you can be grateful for in your life. Mm -hmm. The third question is, uh, what do you want to focus on? So I, my cue is, what are my intentions for the day? So my intention is to be very present. My intention is to find moments of joy. My intention is to love on my dog <laughs> or do an act of kindness. I had a question about, you mentioned if your clients are doing their homework, like, are they reading their books? Do you have specific books that you recommend? Just a handful that you have, like, really impacted your life? If my room here wasn't a disaster, I would show you my bookshelf. I have an entire bookshelf full, and then I have three bookshelves in my living room. No, those are romance novels, but I have a lot of books. Let's just say that. I recommend a specific person and what's going on in their life what they need. I mean, I've always been a reader. I've always been that person who went to the library and brought home like a grocery bag of books. So it's, it's really based on the person. And so I would have to know a little bit more about you to recommend specific books that might help you along. Mm -hmm. As far as accountability goes, and I think this question is asked a lot, what if they don't do it? Yeah. That's a conversation in and of itself. Because the, the real question is, what did you do? You know, and why didn't that happen? Mm -hmm. And it could be, you know, my kid got sick or this is what I had to focus on, or, um, it could be any number of things, but I think people also don't realize that some of the things that they do do and that they do discover as they're going through coaching and having breakthroughs on their own, they don't validate their own successes. They don't see it at all. They don't see a huge revelation of like a past relationship and how that's still affecting you or they don't see all of those things that you did do to take greater steps towards their weight loss. They don't see those as steps. We don't see those as steps. And for someone to bring that up and say, okay, wait a second, you didn't do this, but you 
had a goal for painting as well. Your ultimate goal was painting and you did five paintings this weekend and you had a blast. Like you might not have done X, Y, and Z and creating your business and whatever, right? But look at what you did do when you hadn't done that before. So you're keeping them focused on the positive. Right. That's good. I went through a big revelation recently. It's not the rumination. I was like, you're going to say it. I got to tell you something, Leanne. I totally, so funny because today I was kind of in that moment of just like, I had gotten up early after not doing it. I, we talked earlier about, I just felt like I was pulled in a million different directions and I laid down to just do a meditation. It was like a 45 minute one. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. If I fall asleep, great. Um, you know, type deal. And the whole first 15 minutes was all about rumination, that term, everything. So I thought of you with that today. Really? Yeah. Well, I realized, because I deal with a lot of self-image stuff as well, and I have for, I was like 13 and realized I could change how my body looked, you know, but I am working so hard on the the physical parts of that, like just trying to love myself better, but my self-esteem was always, it it was not great. It's getting better. It started very low, um, and it's been that way for years I mean it's like since I since I was 13 I imagine so what I realized more recently and I think it was after the indistractable book when he was talking about time blocking your time and dedicating time to doing things that are important to you like prioritizing your time with what your priorities are like family time self-care time workout time reading time I realized after reading that that a lot of my self-esteem issues were coming from me not following through for things I wanted to do for myself. Like I would wake up with these grand ideas like, oh, I'm going to read for an hour today and I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to get all this stuff done for my clients and for my website. I would tell myself I'd do it and then I wouldn't do it. So it's almost like I didn't trust myself, you know? And so I felt like if I said I would do something, there'd always be a voice in the back of my head like, but will you though? Are you going to do it? You know, like, are you sure? Because you didn't do those things last time and the time before that. And so that's one thing I've been working on is when I commit to something, because I make sure I do it for other people. It's so wild to me because like, you always get done what you say you're going to get done. Maybe not in your time frame of when you think you should have it done, but you always get it done. It's just interesting. <laughs> it's funny the grace we extend to ourselves. But so I did want to ask you, Katie, I did one of your guided meditations. Kala sent it over to me. I loved it. How did you learn how to do that? I was just listening to you. Like you took me to this magical land and I went in a cave and I I went into this room full of vines. And I I was just thinking, because I'm a creative person. So part of me was like, how the hell did she come up with this stuff? (laughs) I loved it. You missed last week. I didn't record this one and I'm really mad that I didn't because it was about mermaids. Oh, (laughs) I was a swimmer. So mermaids are my jam. Yeah. So normally when I intro into one of the meditation circles, I've been, I've been leading them for almost a year now. I intro and say, I never know what's going to happen. I have an intention and I might have like one small snippet of where we want to go. Like I had the idea of mermaids because I was listening to this meditation and it sounded like mermaids singing in the background. I was like, I keep seeing mermaids. <laughs> but what I do is I go around the circle and I ask what people are needing. 
for that day? Like, are you needing self-compassion? Are you needing calm? Are you needing love? Like, what do you need? I set the intention of the meditation, right? I have that one idea. And then it's all intuitive. All the images and whatever. A lot of times I actually close my eyes during the meditation and just let the words come. And if you knew me in high school and maybe middle school and elementary school, I had a slight stutter. And sometimes I will too. Sometimes I'll trip over my words. It wasn't noticeable. If I was nervous, every once in a while I would do it. But when I lead a meditation, I don't hesitate. It's all smooth. Exactly. There's no hesitation. There's no pause. It's just flowing the whole time. And that's why I was like, is she reading from something? Like, it's just all, it just comes to you. So I was in this coaching program and they talked about doing meditations and visualizations and stuff like that. And I was terrified. I'm terrified of public speaking. I wouldn't call the movie theater when I was little and listen to the recordings and find out when the movies were playing. Like, this is how bad it was. And then I got to the point where I had to do coaching calls on the phone for two hours. And I was like, are you kidding? And then I led orientations with 50 plus people and had to do presentations in front of people. But I was still terrified of leading a meditation. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like, can I even talk like that? I'm not a yoga teacher. <laughs> and Every yoga teacher I know says that, by the way. Yeah. So I just started. I went and met this woman at Everett House, which is where I had been leading these meditations. And I had originally wanted to do a workshop. And it was a workshop on women's empowerment, because that's what I'm all about. It's like, let's empower everyone. Let's have this space. Let's talk about vision boards and how do we create the future that we want? How do we manifest things into our lives? I wanted to do that. And when I sat down with her, I asked, what does the community need? Like, what do we need here? And she said, a lot of people want that sacred, safe space. They love the meditations. They love a journey. They love ceremony. And I had been to like two moon circles in Portland since I got here. And I love the astrology of the time of month we were in. Luckily, I started it in June and my mom and I had made drums. There's a, a drum place here. So I made it like a shamanistic looking drum. We soaked the hide, we pulled it over the thing, we laced it. So it's all made. And I got that before my first circle and I had four people show up and I was like, we're just going to do this intuitively and see what happens. Can I ask you real quick? Um, Cause I don't know what a moon circle is. So there's a full moon and there's a new moon. Yeah. Each of them fall under like an astrological sign for this. So for this last one, a new moon was in Gemini and the new moons are time for creating like drawing in and making something happen, like manifesting. And a full moon is a time to like release and let go. There's a bunch of books on it that actually tie in our cycle, like the women's cycle with the moon and what all of that means. And they're, I just read one. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond the pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton. She talks about how our cycles sync with the the new moon and the The full full moon. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I read uh, Rebecca Campbell and she has two books that I absolutely love. And she talked about that. She also talked about the word virgin and the word witch are not what they were intended to be. We've changed the meaning of them. A virgin was an empowered woman, like who owned her own stuff. And a witch was like a creator. She was the healer of the community. She stood on her, she was like a virgin, right? So (laughs) I, I'd never done one before. I wasn't super into astrology. I knew my own sign, but that was about it. 
So what I would do is I would Google it. Each circle, I would Google it. And then I would like, okay, let's tie in a goddess. Like, cause we want this to be sacred feminine. And so I would say, what am I feeling this month? What is this theme feeling like? So this last one was about communication, but Gemini happens to also be my sign. So I was like, I'm going to pick one that I want. Uh, so I picked the, the priestesses of Avalon, which is like Morgana and all of that. And it was actually a sacred circle that they created with Merlin. That was all of these women who could manifest and do magic and tap into their intuition and all of that. And so I pick one based on what the theme is of the month what the theme is of the season and the sign. And I do a little outline about it. We talk a little bit about how everyone is feeling. And sometimes I'll get this intuitive hit that I'm like, okay, we need to talk about overwhelm right now. Or we need to talk about sadness. It's like, who's feeling really overwhelmed and sad right now. And we'll create that safe space for people to have those open conversations and see what's happening. I started with a notebook. I started with a notebook and outlined everything that I kind of wanted to talk about, about the moon. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's how I would feel yeah. if I was just starting something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I did that when I led a workshop here too. I led a seven hour long workshop and I outlined it and I was like, these are the topics, but all I needed were bullet points. That's awesome. When you know the topic and you know it back and front and it's something that you could talk about for five hours, like narcissism or fear or anger or manifestation or shifting your perceptions on things, I could sit there and tell you for hours. I could recommend books based on how the conversation goes and really lead an open dialogue. And that's how the meditation started to go. I would outline. I don't think I even wrote anything down for this last one. This next one I might, I'm more familiar with Gemini than I am a lot of the other ones, but I do the research and I come in and say, this is what we're going to focus on. This is what we're going to talk about. I have women from around the Portland metro area show. And I have women who I've known in other states who have joined. I have family members and friends who join. So it's. How many people typically join you for these? Uh, the last, I had one on Sunday. There were six people. Sometimes they're small. It depends on schedules too. The biggest one I had was when we were actually in the building uh, and it was a very, it's a, not a huge giant space, but I had 20 women show up. Wow. Yeah. And the one I did live, the first one I had 13. So it ranges anywhere from four to nine. The average was about nine. I'm continuing to grow it though. If more people want to come, I'll lead more of them. I lead them twice a month right now, virtually. And when I was doing them, I was doing two locations. And it's something that I found I'm good at. I think when you find something that you really enjoy doing and that gives other people something that they need, and it's me just leading and talking and letting whatever happens happen. And I think a lot of people, when they do meditations, think they need to be focused on the exact words I'm saying. And that's not always the case. The, the point is to get you in that meditative state so that you can find your own answer so that things can come to you. It's not simply prescribed. It's allowing whatever you need to come. Yeah. So what type of feedback do you typically get? How do women feel when they're done meditating with you? That's part of it. So at the end, I'll let them journal because a lot of times we forget what happens. And afterwards we go around again and we share about the experience. I've had people who've talked about the guides and the messages that they've received from their ancestors or from their guides. I'll have people describe what they experience. Like you're talking about the cave and the vines and 
you know, what it felt like in some of the, the different locations that we went or who showed up for them. Uh, we did a really amazing cord cutting meditation that was releasing some of those people that we have attachments to. And I had people who had not only profound shifts during, but afterwards, like relationships shifted. I've had people all in the middle of the meditation and I could just, when I was sitting there with them, they were just crying because they were connecting with someone who had passed recently who they needed to see or getting that validation that they needed. It's all different. It's all personal, you know, and I'm blessed to be able to have that gift to guide them to have those connections. And it's something I didn't know I even had. That's so cool. Yeah. Kate, you posted something so beautiful today. I'm trying, I'm going to try to pull it up real quick because I want to read it. It was just in line with everything that you were just saying. Do you know which one I'm talking about, about how you were talking about that you were, you're basically a vessel. And once you tap into that, and it's so funny that you say that because I had that conversation with somebody else. When did we have, Leanne, was it you and I? I don't know who I was talking to recently, but it might have, I don't know who it was, but it was one of those where once you decide that you're open to being that voice piece and listening to and delivering messages, it really does unlock very quickly. And you do know what to say and you do know how to show up to things and you do just trust that it's going to happen and be okay. Would you say that that's what Mm -hmm. your experience has been, Katie? Yeah. Okay. Funnily enough, that also happens when I'm coaching. And so if I get something, like if I get an intuitive hit, I write it on the side or if there's something I know that we need to go and talk about, I like I'll circle all my notes. Like there's stuff all over my notes about these conversations. And so there's certain topics that you can just, I just get this feeling that this is what we need to go to. Why? There's always something there though. Oh, always. Yeah. I'm going to read that thing real quick that you posted today. It says, I sat down with the universe and told her I wanted to grow. I told her to use me as a vessel. So she made me uncomfortable. She stripped me of everything I knew, made me learn how to be silent, how to let go, how to move on, how to stand my ground, how to be more understanding, how to fight, how to survive, how to be more assertive, more loving, less naive. She told me to take everything I have learned and share it with others. If that is not you, I'm like, I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was posted today. You shared it. And I was like, wow. And then to just be hearing you talk, the all I keep hearing, it's, it's really cool to see somebody that like I knew in a, in a past life, so to speak, step in and, and walk and do what it is that they want to do. It, it's very encouraging to someone like me who feels like I'm trying to, you know, figure it out. So it's really cool to see. I just wanted to yeah. kind of acknowledge that. Of course. I know I could talk to you for forever, but I know when we talked offline before this, I had wanted to see if you wanted to do a meditation. And I originally thought it would be a really cool thing for you to do to open up your episode. But what do you think about maybe doing one to kind of close us out and round out everything that we've talked about tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So what I had thought about doing is something that I start the meditations with. And I don't know if you guys heard this in the last one, but I like to start it with a grounding. And it's something I actually do in my own meditations every single day. And then I send like a, a love wave out to the world and out to heal and people who need it. And it's something I also learned in Reiki class. If you guys are down for it, I'll do it. Absolutely. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> the floor is yours, Miss Katie. All right. <laughs> So get comfortable, however that means for you. 
and close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. One more deep breath in and out. I want you to picture a cord sprouting from the base of your spine, flowing down through your chair, through the floor, flowing into the grass, deeper and deeper into the sand and silt going down past the clay, the rocks, past the rivers and volcanoes, going deeper and deeper until you reach the glowing crystal heart center of Mother Earth. And as you see that beautiful glowing light, attach your cord onto her holding steady, feeling that loving, healing, warm light as it slowly goes up the cord, seeing and feeling that shifting light and energy as it goes up through the rivers, the rocks, the volcanoes, up through the dirt, the clay, the grass, up to the base of your spine. Allow that loving, healing energy to flow down your legs, your calves, your feet, your toes, cooling in your hips, your stomach, your chest, swirling around your heart, up your shoulders, your arms, your hands, shooting rays of beautiful healing light out your fingertips. As it moves up and warms through your throat, your face, your nose, your lips, your ears, flowing all the way up through the top of your head. And as you feel that warm, healing, grounding light, allow it to shoot and sprout from the top of your head, going all the way up past the clouds, through the sky, to the sun, Feeling that warm light coming down from the heavens, from the sky, down through the top of your head, swirling around your face, your ears, your nose, your lips, down your throat, 
moving down your shoulders, your arms, your hands, your fingers, flowing down your chest and swirling as it reaches your heart. And down your stomach, your hips, your thighs, your calves, filling your feet and toes. And as you breathe in and breathe out, you are connected to both earth and sky. And with every breath, you feel that loving, healing energy flowing through your body. With each breath, it flows. You see your own light as it pulls and grows in your heart center. And with each breath, you see it and feel it expand, filling your entire body with light, with love. Allowing it to expand the space that you're in. Filling and cleansing the room. Expanding further and further. Filling your house, filling the neighborhood. Until you see yourself as a bright star among other stars in the sky. And as we light up, we see the others who have lit up as well. Allowing our own light to grow and to vibrate across the universe. And with each breath in and breath out, you continue to expand and feel that love, that connection, that peace. You are safe. You are held. You are protected. We allow our own loving and healing light to fill those in this world who need it most. Those who are hurt, those who are suffering, those who are in pain and in sadness. With each breath, as we expand, we send out rays of light and love and healing to those in need. With every breath, we know that they will be healed. We allow the energy that we expend to transform as it needs, transforming hearts, transforming minds, knowing that we are all one. We are all love. All souls are beautiful. We are energy. And with each breath, you feel your own soul, your own light, your own energy. Feeling that deep connection to who you truly are. Knowing that you are connected to everyone and everything. And whenever you're ready, slowly making your way back to this space that you're in, into the room, into your body, 
into this moment. And whenever you're ready, opening your eyes. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't even feel tired anymore. <laughs> like, let's go do things. What do we have to work on tonight? <laughs> that was so amazing. Where can people find you? Do you want to plug your website? I mean, I want to get as many people who listen to this access yeah. to you as possible. So uh, my website is guidedpathcoaching.org. Org. I'm on both Facebook and Instagram at Guided Path Coaching. Facebook is with the LLC. I post most of the events on Instagram. So if you're interested in an event, if you want to come to a meditation, Instagram at Guided Path Coaching would be the best way to find out and to see the links. For a lot of the members of my circles, uh, you get on my email list when you're in the circles because that's one of the questions that you ask when you register. I actually have a private Facebook group uh, for, I call it Soul Sisters. Because that's what we really are. It's like having that connection and that sense of community. And it's, it's something that I am hoping to continue to build is like sharing journaling posts and helping you drive towards your own goals. Whether or not you work with me as a coach, there's so many different resources that I'm hoping to get out into the community to help people grow in their own right. I can't wait to see it be a huge success. I just thank you for holding space with us today. And I know without a doubt, Leanne and I will be reaching out to talk to you again because we I, I have so many questions. I just feel like I need to go download everything that we talked about so that I can kind of sit with it for a little bit and make headway in my own story. So thank you, Katie, for being here with us yeah, today. Um, we appreciate you so much. Thank you guys for having me in any time. That's what I'm here for. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay? All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Katie. For more information on how to book a free consultation or attend one of her women's groups, visit www.guidedpathcoaching.org for more. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation here at HTC, we invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and take a look around at ways that you can be involved. Talk soon. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Rachel. To learn more about plant-based medicine and her business, visit GetMothersHemp.com or follow Mother's Hemp on Instagram. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation here at HTC, we invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and take a look around at ways that you can be involved. Simply search at Have the Convo. Talk soon.